Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Our first guest today, in a somewhat belatedly started program, is Danielle Wilson. She's the president and CEO of Aerojet Medical. Danielle, welcome to the program and for being so patient. Hello. Danielle, are you on the phone? Two five four. Danielle, if somebody's on the phone with two five four two four seven seven four four one. Hello there. Are you on the air? Yes. Good morning. This is Danielle. How are you? Um, I'm sorry fine. for all the confusion. No, no we, we had tech, tech, we had uh, you. You're, you're a very patient woman, um, Danielle. Uh, um, uh, we always ask our guests first to say a little bit about themselves personally before we go into details. I also know you're the wife of the uh, head of a, of the a program, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we do anything else. um, Yes, sir. So my background actually is I was a flight registered nurse for um, a number of years, about 16 years prior to starting uh, this business. Um, And our businesses have been in place uh, for the last 10 years. Um, And um, I actually am a serial entrepreneur. I own two businesses. One is United Medivac Solutions, which provides specialty health care strictly to the Department of Defense. Uh, and then we also have Aerojet Medical, which is our international air ambulance division um, of our companies. What do you basically do uh, in your, your companies? Um, well, United Medivac Solutions, like I said, provides specialty health care uh, to the military, um, including aviation, medical transport services, physician services, nursing services, etc. Um, Aerojet Medical uh, commercially provides international air ambulance um, to the general public, um, repatriation of um, injured or ill um, visitors that go to foreign countries and they find themselves um, sick and have no way to actually get home after they've been stabilized uh, within a uh, hospital there in the foreign country. Eventually they need to come home and a lot of times these people find 
they are unable to do so on a regular commercial airline, um, and that's where our company comes into play is actually flying out uh, with specialty trained local crews um, to pick up the patient and uh, transport them back home uh, to a hospital here within the United States. Well, uh, are you uh, offer this service? I know I have this service as part of my uh, platinum card with American Express. Do you work with the uh, companies like that, or do you uh, get uh, called by private citizens? How does it work? Well, um, there's actually a, it's multifaceted. Uh, we do work uh, directly with insurance companies. We also work with assist companies, as you mentioned. Um, for example, American Express does have a waiver um, uh, within in coverage within their um, their terms and conditions of their uh, credit card. Um, uh, transactions. Additionally, we do uh, work with the general public. A lot of times it's a family member, not necessarily the patient, that um, is organizing uh, transport to try to get their loved ones home. Well, I know it's a frightening experience. I just went through a major surgery uh, near, near my home, and it was a frightening experience. Imagine it's ten times more frightening when you're in a foreign country. Uh, and that oh. happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, most people don't think that it will ever happen to them. <laughs> um, but it happens more often than what you think. There's approximately 200 air ambulance, long-distance air ambulance flights um, in this country alone per day, um, and that's taking people that are outside of their local area and being able to transport them back home. Wow. But that must be an expensive proposition. And who picks up the tab? Well, um, sometimes the insurance company actually will work with us to cover a portion of the bill. Um, additionally, sometimes the assist companies will pay the entire portion, uh, usually set to a certain cost limit. Um, and if anything goes over that, then, it, of course, it's the patient's or family's responsibility. And then there's times where the patient... Uh, simply do not have coverage, um, and then and that way, obviously, they would be responsible for the bill, and that's fully quoted to them prior to them accepting any type of transport. Yes, um, but uh, there's no substitute for being close to home. But but you're here <laughs> also to talk about, about that you have a fairly diverse uh, workforce, and you, you're here to talk a little bit about that. Yes, we absolutely do. We've got to have uh, roughly about 125 employees at this time, and um, they are diverse um, for, from you know corporate support staff um, to logistical staff to aviation staff to medical staff. Um, and within that, you know, I find that the uh, um, you know the best way for myself to try to streamline operations is a lot of my people are cross-trained and, um, you know, not to know just one certain job category, but they're certainly familiar with the overall process. So if need be, um, they need to pitch in. They certainly have some sort of um, knowledge to be able to do so appropriately. Well, uh, what what are some of the... um pitfalls you run into and how have you overcome them? Uh, pitfalls in accordance with employees? Yes. 
Um, uh, in terms know, of diversity. Um, you know, I think probably one of the largest um, challenges for small businesses um, is the employees that you pick. Do you have they, they are a special breed because unlike large corporate entities where everybody is very segregated in their job classification, their roles, responsibilities, et cetera, um, as in small business, um, it's not just for the owners, but it flows down to the employees that you select. Everybody does have to be open-minded to be able to get the job done. And whatever that requires to get the job done, they have to be comfortable with stepping outside of their normal boundaries to do so. So I think that's been one of the challenges for me is finding truly employees that share the same type of um, get-it-done attitude um, in this day and age. Sometimes that's difficult, but I have felt, I feel like that I'm very fortunate in the workforce that I have in place today. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job at honing that in. We've had less than a 2% turnover rate in the last 10 years of our employees. Wow, that, that is really good. But, but you know, EMTs and people involved in, uh, in well, it's not so much emergency, but uh, healthcare seem to be a breed apart. Uh, are there special qualities, qualities that you find in, in people involved in your type of industry? Um, yes, I, I think that there's certainly some commonalities between um, all medical personnel and, you know, and obviously the mission that we take on, you know. I think most, um, you know, the ideal employee needs to have very highly um, uh, high organizational skills and, you know, also be able to uh, be process-driven and, you know, be able to manage stress appropriately and have fantastic communication skills, um, not only so they can communicate with each other, but obviously communicate effectively um, with their clientele and their in their patients um you know and i found that that our employees are very dedicated um and very detail oriented well, what what are the things you do to to kind of bring a, a, a diverse force like this together and make them as you say low turnover and high, highly motivated what are some of the things that you do um, I think the most important is obviously communication, is to be an open communicator um, and leader to your people. And, you know, there's certainly a significant difference between being a boss and being a leader, and that's trying to keep people inspired um, to do what needs to be done and not necessarily telling them what needs to be done. You know, obviously providing them with appropriate training and foundational skills that they need um, tools of the trade to be able to do their job appropriately, but you know, keeping the line of communication open, and um, and honestly, you know, creating a uh, corporate culture and an atmosphere that's not punitive in nature. Um, that's always a learning environment. So even when mistakes are made, that people aren't um, you know apprehensive of you know communicating those back to management. Because we don't take it as a punitive process, we institute a learning atmosphere, um, and then use it as a lessons learned uh, for the rest of the employee staff, so they don't make those same mistakes. And so, because of that, I think it's more that uh, for your business 
and um, your interaction, your direct interaction on an executive level with your employees. Hmm. Well, how do you, you know, it's very interesting. You and a, a couple of other people in recent programs have ever mentioned um, have, have, have mentioned this and the ability of, of teaching employees to learn from mistakes rather than being punitive about it. How did you learn about that, that to, to apply it to your business? You know, I think that my background of being a registered nurse has um, translated into an exceptional um, uh, segue into becoming a CEO. You know, um, in the medical profession itself, as a registered nurse, you know, they say medicine is a practice, and it is a practice. It is a art. Um, it is not a um, 100% um, mastery of science 100% of the time. Each patient is individual. Um, and so your medicine and the care that you provide is individual too. So with that comes a significant variance um, in the opportunity to learn from one patient to the next. And, uh, you know, when I was a registered nurse, it was an atmosphere of, okay, you certainly have responsibilities and you're held accountable. Don't Don't get me wrong there. You're held accountable. However, they instituted, the medical profession is really good at that, instituting a, okay, this is what you did wrong, but this is why, and what what steps can we take to make sure this, this doesn't happen again. And it really is a lesson learned. Um, and, you know, they provide that um, not only to that employee, but then they make sure that, you know, that you basically have case studies and those are published um, to try to provide safe, safer patient care in the future. Excellent points, um, but in, in the diversity role, yeah, um, well, what types of in, uh, when you say diversity, uh, you you have 125 employees uh, approximately. What are some of uh, some of the differing groups that you have with, within your your company that that makes um, you so um, knowledgeable about diversity? Um, well, um, I'm actually blessed to have a significantly high um, uh, diverse staff, um, not only the mix of male and female, um, but also we have approximately, I would say, probably about 70% of our labor force is Hispanic. Um, but we have um, people from all over, um, from many cultures, um, that provide services for us. And so, you know, the diversity is basically we all have one common mission, and that is the compassion and the dedication of taking care of patients. And I think that that is, um, uh, you know, it doesn't fit into one category or one culture. It certainly is multicultural um, and very diverse in nature. We're all human. Well, yeah, that's true. And I do know that the, uh, your company is fairly well recognized for, for that fact. Um, um, did you start out to, to, to be this diverse, or it just happened that way? Um, you know, it's kind of been tailored. Um, you know, like I said, the commonality is, you know, our dedication, our compassion for medical care. Um, and, however, the percentages of our labor force, it just kind of has happened as the company has grown. And, you know, it's really been uh, more about where 
um, geographically um, our largest bases are uh, versus, um, you know, having any type of set quota within the internal corporate policies of providing, um, you know, a certain segment um, of different um, ethnicity. Well, um, where are your bases located? Well, we have um, locations here in Austin, uh, Texas. We have El Paso, Texas, um, White Sands Missile Range, Fort Riley, Kansas, and several other uh, locations uh, within the U.S. And then we certainly have a um, a, a large number of um, select um, associates that we deal with worldwide. Yeah, uh, no one company can cover the entire world. Uh, what, what has been uh, some of your more unusual uh, medical evacuations? Um, uh, you, you also do it for the military. Do you? Uh, we often see uh, when uh, someone, uh, people are evacuated, they're evacuated first to, to Germany and then to the United States. Are you involved in that at all? Um, that actually usually is covered um, mostly by the um, Air Force. They have a segment called uh, the CCAT transport, um, which are Air Force uh, flight nurses that um, actually bring people from Germany land soul uh, back to the U.S. stateside. Um, once they are stateside, um, if it's found that they need to be relocated from what the hub is for the military, uh, then we are involved in that portion of um, dispersing um, those employees further out um, within the U.S. if needed. Uh, uh, Danielle Wilson, it's been a real uh, pleasure. Tell us again the name of your company and how people can reach you. Sure. Uh, Aerojet Medical is our international air ambulance company, and our website is iflyajm.com, and um, we can be reached uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, uh, you, you do a lot, a lot of good work, and uh, we really thank you for appearing on today's special edition of Small Business Digest. Thank you. It was a it was a pleasure to, to participate, sir. Thank you very much. Our next guest is Mitch Burke of Selective Service. Mitch, welcome to the program. Don, uh, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm looking forward. Michelle, uh, I, I was looking forward to Danielle's uh, presentation, and then I was looking forward to yours as well because um, 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 Danielle talked about uh, medical evacuation, and you talked about one of the fastest-growing segments in America, uh, so, uh, finding a, a life partner. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this section. Well, thank you for having me on, and, and I look forward to sharing uh, about our company and, and, and all the exciting things we're involved with with you as well. Well, first, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about um, themselves personally. Well, I've had a kind of a varied experience uh, in my career. I've had three different lives. The first was 10 years in the cosmetic and fragrance industry, 
where we had a company called Jovan. It was uh, a company called Jovan Musk Oil. was the big fragrance product. And uh, during that decade at uh, Jovan, we pioneered quite a lot of uh, retail merchandising uh, opportunities in terms of uh, uh, you know, unique product codes and uh, display units. And one of the things that we did uh, that no one had ever done before was to create the first music sponsorship ever in 1981 between Jovan and the Rolling Stones. And we went out on tour with the Rolling Stones and leveraged all the merchandising and marketing and PR that you could. Up until that point, Don, no one had ever done a music tour like that. And in fact, it was deemed to be selling out to the man uh, if you became part of the corporate America. And today, it's a multi-billion-dollar category. And if a music tour goes on on tour uh, without a corporate sponsor, then they really are deemed not to be a very good group. So we're pretty proud of that. Uh, that company was sold to Beecham UK in the early '80s. And following that, I started a company called Entertainment Marketing uh, EMI, which we did licensing, sponsorship, and intellectual property for. Uh, major music groups like the Rolling Stones and like Kenny Rogers and Earth, Wind & Fire and Tim McGraw, Garth Brooks and uh, Celine Dion and Tina Turner and things like that. So so uh, ran that company and built it for 24 years and sold it in uh, early 2000s. And then I was kind of um, bored. I, I tell my friends that I flunked retirement and uh, was looking for something to do and started interviewing people that I had known over the years asking them what they think is interesting. And all the roads led to the idea of matchmaking and, and uh, this new way of how people are finding love. And so uh, I met Barbie Adler, who had founded Selective Search 16 years ago. And she and I hit it off famously right from the get-go and uh, decided to become partners. And so we became partners a little over three years ago, and it's been a tremendous ride ever since. Well, it is. Um I read a statistic that half of all uh, marriages today are found either uh, online or through uh, companies like yours, and that really astounded me, and uh, it seems to be growing. Yeah, the category is, uh, you know, it's it's uh, really less than 20 years old in its totality, although, you know, the concept of matchmaking goes back thousands and thousands of years to various cultures and various uh, religions who saw the matchmaker as an honored position in their community because uh, they were the ones who were putting people together to have families and to continue the society and the culture of that particular belief. So matchmaking has been around for a long time. But in the last 20 years, it's really evolved into a very commercial space. And clients who previously would be uneasy or awkward about hiring a matchmaker now view a matchmaker in the same way as they view uh you know a wealth manager or an accountant or a personal trainer or a driver or a chef or people like that so so uh people view uh, uh matchmakers as a very esteemed position and there's all kinds of uh matchmakers you know you've got the online guys like the uh match.coms of the world and then all the way up to where we are which is the most elite uh, boutique services where highly uh, individuals of high status who need confidentiality, they need privacy, they have a very specific search in mind, uh, they come to us. So it's a pretty exciting time for the matchmaking business. Well, it is. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your your business because yours is a very different um, 
approach than a lot of other people. Yeah, ours is a different approach. Thank you for recognizing that. Uh, you know, we think that, you know, Don, our 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 our, our searches start at twenty five thousand dollars, and basically go up from there. It's all based on an economic model. So, uh, if a, if a person comes to us and says, "I'm looking to find a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, and I want them to be healthy and physically fit, and I want them to love me," that's an easy search. You know, that's simple. Uh, but depending on the number of filters they add, the search can become quite complex because some people will start to say, I want the individual to be a certain height, certain hair color, certain ethnicity, certain religion, uh, athleticism, uh, geography, uh, 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 political persuasion. You know, so there, there are really 300 different categories that we can search by. And based on what our client's requirements are, we put that all together, and that determines how we do our search. So when an individual comes to us to join this very elite boutique service, uh, they want to know that there's a process in place to deliver them the results. And our results are at 87%, which is an industry-leading number. And the way we get to that result is based on the criteria that's established for us by the client. So if a client's goal is to get married, then that's the goal. If the client's goal is to become engaged, uh, that's the goal. It may be to live together or it might be to be in a long-term committed, you know, monogamous relationship. So everybody has a different goal, but it's pretty interesting. And the way we accomplish all of that is through a process called Meet, Meet Your Future. And Meet Your Future has six different components. There's an intaking system and a benchmarking system in our screening process our presentations, the way we select candidates, and obviously the evaluation to match up the perfect date. So all of those things together give our clients the confidence and the peace of mind that know that on day one this is going to happen, and on week one this is going to happen, and on month one this is going to happen, and over three months this is going to happen. And it establishes a set of expectations, so it legitimizes the business in a way that uh, people have confidence coming to us and they know what they can expect from our product. Well, you know, $25,000 is not cheap, and as you say, it's on up. Why would someone pay $25,000 or more for your services before we get into them specific as well? Because I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's recognize that $25,000 is a lot of money, as is 50000 and and 100000 which some of our clients pay. Uh, so we respect this process very much, and, and we respect our clients uh, deciding to take their disposable income and put it in a place uh, such as Selective Search. Now, why would they do that, your, your question? Uh, they, they, they do that because there there is truly no aspect of your life that is more powerful or more important than your relationship. And there's all kinds of studies that demonstrate that men and women who are in happy relationships, uh, loving relationships, tend to uh, live longer, they live healthier, they live more satisfied, and from a business standpoint, they're more accomplished. They outperform those people that are in unhappy or unmarried or uncommitted relationships. So the real question isn't so much why would someone do it, but why would someone not do it when this is the most important part of their life? And when you look at it that way, uh, the cost really becomes a function of the result, which is a, you know, a blessed life. 
Well, that, that's a, that's very very true. Um, and I, I'm a little bit at a loss for words, but now someone comes to you. What is your what are the types of people that come to you and ask for your services? Well, you know, the one thing that that they all have in common, uh, or the two things that they have in common, is they all have a sincere desire to find the love of their life. It may be the first love of their life. It might be an encore love of their life after being widowed or divorced or something of that nature. But they're all coming to find the love of their life. And the where where do they come from? There, there are uh, obviously there are C level executives that come to us on a regular basis. We have uh, athletes and coaches that come to us. We have politicians that are clients. We have uh, movie stars and other celebrities that are clients. Uh, we have entrepreneurs. That may be our biggest category, uh, men and women who have been infinitely successful in doing things their way and finding uh, success in that way, but they have not been able to find success in love. So our clients um, have all different looks and persuasions and, and uh, ethnicities and ages, but uh, the thing that they share in common is they all have um, the ability to uh, find people to go out with, but they don't have the access or the ability or the time or the confidentiality requirements to find someone uh, to be the love of their life. So those are those are the reasons why people come to us. Okay. So uh, someone comes to you, uh, an entrepreneur, and uh, they're 30 years of age, they have more money than they, than they know what to do with, but they want more. They want someone in. How, what, how do you go? How does the, the process work? Uh, so, what, yeah, thank, th- thank you for asking. So what would happen is the um, we, we meet everybody face-to-face. We, we talk about our business being face-to-face, not cyberspace, which is kind of a, a little handle we use because in a world of technology-driven processes, everything we do is, is um, in person. So our clients don't get uh, they don't get to become clients until we sit with them and do an entire intake process. And our affiliates, who are the men and women that we introduce to our clients, uh, they don't get introduced until we sit with them face-to-face as well. So we have a system called Benchmark, and Benchmark is part of the Meet Your Future uh, process that, that we discussed a little bit earlier. And Benchmark is the uh, determination of what you're looking for. So, so Don, I don't know if, if you're a single man or a married man, but if you would come to us as a client, uh, we would sit with you and we'd say, tell us about um, who your perfect companion is, who's your perfect mate. And you would identify simple things like um, what is her height, what is her body type, uh, what is her athleticism, uh, what is her education, what is her religion, what's her ethnicity. And we go through a list of 300 questions with the individual. So by the time we're done with our meeting, we know precisely, precisely the kind of woman that you're looking to meet. And then our job is to go out and search our database and search our scout network and search all of our means, just like an executive recruiter does, to present candidates to you that meet identically to your benchmarking uh, uh, process. And that's why we're so successful, because by the time our clients meet someone, that person is exactly the person they've been looking for. 
Well, how do you how do you find the people for your da- database? Well, that's interesting. Uh, a, a lot of ways. Um, we advertise uh, all over. You've probably seen us in the airline magazines, on Wall Street Journal, and you know the Ivy League publications and different city books, um, major metro newspapers, radio. We're uh, we're really all over. We also have a complicated network of scouts who, on a daily basis, are out whether it's a supermarket, the health club, the uh, school, the neighborhood, the soccer team. You know, we find people everywhere all the time, and we turn out nuggets of, you know, just gems that are that are unbelievable. So then we also have a social media presence, and people come to us through our social media, through our Facebook program, uh, through our website, selectivesearch.com. And there's just um, five or six different ways, and we have uh, at the moment probably 250,000 people in our affiliate database. Wow! Um, and these are all uh, are these people all who have volunteered who say they are looking, or are they also people that you approach and say you 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 aren't looking, but we might have a perfect mate for you. They're both. They're both. The majority of them come to us because they have. Uh, they're single. They have a desire to find uh, the love of their life. Uh, they've identified that Selective Search is a company that can bring them together with that person, and they sign up. And, and the, Don, the affiliate, goes through a very similar process as our client goes through. They fill out a very complicated uh, 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 survey, which lets us get to know them better, and we put them in the system. We have photographs of them. We have knowledge about them. We do interviews uh, with them before they get introduced to our clients. We sit with them in person before they actually get introduced. So by the time one of them gets through the process, uh, we know an awful lot about them as well. And th- it's also it's also free for affiliates to join. So we also get people from all over the world that just sign up because they think it's a good place to be. Well, definitely. I happen to be... Uh, I happen to be happily married you know, with the love of my life, but but I, I do know uh, have friends. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our time, but let me ask you this question: uh, What is the average age? Um, do you get uh, young people, old, uh, older people? Uh, what is the the uh, uh, stretch of your people, the age groupings? Well, for for our clients. Um, the, the sweet spot is uh, 35 to 65 years old. Now, we do have clients that are older. Uh, in fact, we get guys in their 70s that are still looking for love. Uh, and we also get people who are younger. And for those people who are under 35 years old, we have what we call a young executive program. So they get to have a a sampler program, kind of similar to what the country clubs do where if you are under a certain age, you can join at a reduced price. So we have a special pricing and a special program for those young people under 35 years old, and that gets them involved in the process. Because, you know, Don, it's really interesting. More today than ever before, these young folks are coming out of college. They're going to work. They're working hard again. Then they go to grad school. They may be in banking or some other job that's requiring a lot of their time. And pretty soon they wake up, and they're 28, 30, 32 years old, and the pool of available candidates has shrunk considerably since college and they suddenly find themselves without a lot of access to the quality and caliber of people so this young young executive program has been a phenomenal program for us as well 
Well, um, I didn't know the average age of the in the New York Times Society column has moved to over thirty from under uh, from, from under thirty, and uh, what you're saying I know is very true. Uh, 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 Mitch, uh, we have very very little time left. Uh, tell uh, tell us again your website and how people can reach you. So our company is called Selective Search, and you can reach us at selectivesearch.com, uh, or you can uh, go to the website, and our, our numbers are uh, are listed at 312-396-1200. And uh, there's always people here that are willing to talk with you, uh, explain to you the process, uh, get you involved. Um, folks should not be concerned or leery about about calling up because uh, you're not committing yourself by making a phone call and you have plenty of time to assess whether this is uh, of interest to you or not. But, you know, listen, Don, let me just say this. We're so blessed because we're in the business of finding love for people. So every day we come to work and we're all about happiness and about fulfillment, about hope, about making someone's life better than it was yesterday. And um, how great is that? (laughs) Won't get an argument from me. (laughs) <laughs> uh, really, uh, 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 I happen to know that having the right person really makes life a lot better. Um, uh, but for, I was lucky; I didn't need your services. But uh, uh, but I know a lot of people out there do. Mitch uh, Burke, uh, we want you to come back in the new year and talk more because we, we have our next guest on the line. But um, I really would like you to come back again and talk some more. Terrific. Th- thank you so much. L- love, love your program. It brings a lot of great information to your listeners. And I want to wish you and all your audience a happy Thanksgiving. You too. Have a nice day. Okay. Thank you, Don. Our next guest is Henry Moreland, Chief Product Officer of Bright Pearl. Uh, to better talk about... Uh, uh, managing the inventories and other um, matters affecting retailers. Are you on the phone, uh, Henry? I am, Don. Hello. Hello to you. Hello to everybody. Uh, hello there. Uh, Henry, we always ask our guests, to, uh, uh, well, the first question we always ask, a little bit about themselves personally before we talk about anything else. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm uh, I'm calling in from the UK. Uh, I'm sitting in Bristol at the moment on a uh, pretty cold November evening. Um, my background, I've been in e-commerce for for many years, often online commerce of one sort or another, in the travel, uh, travel business, in the wine business, and now with Bright Pearl. I've been with Bright Pearl for a little over two years now, um, and uh, we... We provide a, a sort of powerful yet simple retail and inventory management software for independent businesses, uh, ambitious, multi-channel retailers and wholesalers. Uh, it's cloud-based, so we provide one software platform used by something around 1,400 customers, 1,400 merchants in the U.S. and the U.K. Well, you provide a... a a platform, but you don't actually send out the the inventory, do you? No, we don't. We we provide the software that our merchants use to run their businesses, to do the 
the boring back office nuts and bolts uh, to make sure that that they can take their orders. So they take their orders online, they take their orders at the point of sale, they take their orders over the telephone. Okay, a typical Brightpole merchant might have a couple of stores, uh, a website or two, and maybe sell out their end-of-line stock on Amazon or eBay. Uh, we, w when they make those trades, they come into Brightpole, and uh, and the merchants use our software to manage those orders, uh, pick them from the warehouse, get them out the door, and get them into their customers' hands. Well, you know, uh, we're coming up to uh, the the Black Friday uh, period, uh, Thanksgiving and Black Friday, etc. Uh, and I know your uh, your uh, service is worldwide, but let's stick with America for the moment. Um, why is it so important to have someone like Black Pearl managing, managing helping you manage your inventory? Well. One of the things that happens, I mean, not only on Black Friday, but uh, but but throughout the year, if you're selling on multiple channels, you can just lose control. You don't know. You sell the same item in two places at the same time, and you have to let down one of your customers. So perhaps the biggest thing and the biggest thing in the minds of our merchants coming into these busy peak periods where you can take a lot of offers and a, a lot of orders in a very short time. Uh, the the concern on their minds is is well it's twofold I suppose on the one hand they don't want to sell the same item twice and have to let someone down and on the other hand they don't want to run out of stock because they haven't uh, they haven't ordered enough they haven't got enough in in stock going into the busy holiday period and uh, and that's what we hear play back from our merchants to be honest when we talk to them about how they're preparing for the holidays. On the one hand, they want to do the data analysis. They want to look at what happened last year. And, uh, and Bright Pearl keeps all that data, gives you good reporting, uh, great insight into what your business has been doing. So you can look up, see what happened last year, what did you sell, uh, when did you sell it, and you can plan correctly for this year, staff up correctly, get enough people in your warehouse, get enough people manning the phones, get plenty of packaging in. You've got to send this stuff out. You don't want to be running out of cardboard boxes and bubble wrap. Uh, there are people rearranging their warehouse shelves, get all the highest sold items nearest to the nearest to the pickers, uh, get their logistics companies on side. Um, you know, and all this this is all the stuff that having a having a a powerful uh, integrated order management um, system allows you to do. You can look at your data and uh, and you can sort out your operations so that you can ride out these busy periods because it's pretty hard. You know, merchants find it hard when uh, when they get triple, quadruple, quintuple the amount of, amount of orders than, that they're used to in one day. Yes, that is the problem. It's interesting. The shipping companies have indicated that um, uh, Shipping to uh, retailers is is, uh, is down relative to last year, about 10%. Um, is that because uh, uh, shippers have, the retailers have been better able to manage their inventory? Or uh, are you aware of, of this? Well, you know, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm watching this with great interest. So uh, both in the UK and the US, there has been something of a backlash against Black Friday and against the discounting culture. 
so reading the press here in the UK, we imported Black Friday from the from the US not long ago, maybe three years ago, with the first time we really had a, a big discounting period here. As you may know, we don't uh, we don't do Thanksgiving in the UK, um, and you know the 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 sentiment is mixed from retailers. They they feel they have to do it, and they don't much like it. And I know Walmart has opted out uh, this year of Black Friday discounting. Maybe what's going to happen is that uh, that less people get engaged in the massive discounting wars than than did last year. Certainly, last year was an extraordinary peak uh, in in uh, traffic and trade for our merchant uh, and and also for the uh, for the wider market. So maybe what you've observed reflects the fact that people are starting to opt out or maybe it reflects the fact that they have uh, they've planned better this year certainly talking to our guys to our community of merchants they're all talking about planning they're all doing you know they've spent the last the last weeks and months doing in-depth analysis of what's going to sell uh, what they sold last year and making sure they're prepared uh, what what happens? There's always one or two items that no one thinks is, are going to be uh, uh, top sellers and turn out to be. What happens? Uh, how can your system help you spot that? Well, I guess if you can analyze your products, if you can match up what went last year, what kinds, you know, even if you're even if your your range has changed this year, you can see what the similar products are. I mean. Who knows how you spot the the one the one fabulous uh, standout Christmas product? You know there always is one, as you say. Um, who knows if you can pull that out of the bag? But what you can do is you can you can see what went well, and you can you can stock up on that. You can promote it. You can see what your competitors are doing, and uh, and you can promote in relation to what they're doing. What we really what Brightport really allows you to do is to is to get that insight. It gives you the efficiency. Uh, gives you all the all the tools you need to work efficiently in your operation. Uh, it gives you the control over what you're doing, and it gives you the insight. In the end, we don't do retail though. That's our merchants doing retail. It's pretty hard. We try and give them the tools, uh, the the tools to help them, and um, and uh, we follow with interest and. You know they do pretty well. The, the the market, the retail market as a whole, I believe, was growing somewhere around 2.4 percent. And uh, our best measure of same store growth amongst our community of merchants was uh, was somewhere around 26 percent last year. So these ambitious wow. independents are doing incredibly well. Yes, that is. Oh, uh, and, and and you ascribe part of it, to, uh, if not all of it, to Black Pearl and its ability to allow them to better control uh, their inventory. I think that's right. Well, sort of control, efficiency, and insight. That's that's really where we where we uh, pin it. It's a pretty good way of doing it. But I'm a new a new retailer. I come to you. What are some of the questions you ask them uh, when someone new comes to you? Did you, uh, to look at Black Pearl? Uh, it's Bright Pearl. It's Bright Pearl, by the way. Bright like, as in like. shining light. <laughs> right. Um, the, uh, the questions we ask, well, we ask about their business. You know, we're, we're, 
we're fascinated by independent business and what they're doing. We asked them where they're selling uh, and where they're buying. Uh, we asked them how they run their how, how they run their warehouses. Are they are they buying stock and shipping from their warehouse? Are they are they are they shipping from their store? So very often, I guess to take a step back, merchants come to us uh, not when they're just starting out. They tend to come to us when they're succeeding. They've got product and it's selling. You know, the problems we solve are the, are the problems of success, are the problems of having being overwhelmed by orders, uh, of of struggling to stay on top of what you're buying, what you're sourcing from your vendors. Um, so we tend to ask them what their operation is like and what problems they're having. You know, how are they? How do they manage their customer database? Uh, do they know who their loyal customers are? Do they know who their first customers, first first-time buyers are? What do their first-time buyers buy? Uh, we ask them about their sales channels. Do they sell online? Do they sell in store? Do they use the marketplaces? We ask them about their warehouse operations. Do they outsource and have someone else fulfill their, their stock for them? Do they pick and pack themselves from a warehouse? Do they drop ship? Do they just pass the orders directly onto their vendors and have their vendors ship to their customers direct? Uh, so we kind of we fish around, we take a great interest in how they're doing business, and, uh, and, and in there we identify the places where perhaps Brightpool could offer them a better measure of control, could offer them increased efficiency, and where the kind of insight that having all your data in one place allows you to, to, to get, where that might play out in their business, where that might deliver you know, value, profit, sales back to them. It's all about getting a return on that investment. Uh, you buy Bright Pearl, it costs you money, but hey, you make more money as a result. Well, well that's, that brings me to my next question. Uh, well, uh, how do you charge? By the uh, shipment? Uh, 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 flat fee? How, how does it work? Uh, we are a... Uh, a, a SaaS business, which is software as a service. So essentially, you can access BrightPearl through a browser so long as you're online. You can access BrightPearl. Um, and you subscribe. So we charge on a, uh, a per-user basis, uh, con concurrent users. So you can have lots of people registered to log on to BrightPearl, uh, but you pay per concurrent user. So if you've got 10 people working on BrightPearl at the same time, then uh, then your subscription is based around that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly standard model out there for the last few years um, where instead of just buying software and installing it and keeping your servers in your cupboard and having an IT overhead in your office, with a with a cloud-based SaaS solution like ours, you subscribe. You subscribe for the number of users you need, and um, and Bob's your uncle. You know we keep it up to date. Every new development that we put into the software, and that's my role here, is to make sure that what we're developing is what our merchants need. And uh, we release them to software. Everybody's on the same version all the time. You just get automatically upgraded. 
any new additions, any any fixes get put into the software, um, and uh, your subscription just covers it. You don't need to service any cupboard. Uh, again, uh, your website and how people can uh, learn more. Sure, the the website is uh, brightpearl.com, uh, and uh, and it's all there. You can you can learn more there. Uh, you can get a you can get a demo from our guys if you register on there. Um, we can give you a demo of how it works. We can give you a give you a good trial and talk you through you know talk talk through your business. And um, hey, there's no hard sell. You know, we can tell you where where we might be able to uh, drive some efficiency into your business, give you some insight into your business, and uh, and help help you grow it. You know, we we like we like ambitious merchants, retailers, and wholesalers. We love them. You know, we love that world, and uh, everything we do is trying to trying to help you, give you the tools to succeed and take on the big guys. Well, thanks. You know, I, I learned a lot. Um, I have to tell you, we we always test our products beforehand, though we didn't do it with Selective Search because happily we're happily married. <laughs> but but we did test your product because someone uh, came to us about it, and uh, we have to tell you, it's a great product. Thank you for, for Thank taking you. the time uh, to come and join us today, Henry. My pleasure, Don, and uh, and a very good Thanksgiving to you. Well, we wish you a, a a happy holiday season for you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics, for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.